This summer, don't be left without air conditioning. Call Care Heating and Cooling and get on a care plan to protect your family. With a care plan, you get system maintenance and priority service in case of emergency, giving you peace of mind. Plus, a well-maintained air conditioner runs more efficiently and saves you money. At Care, their service technicians are paid to fix your AC, not sell you a new one. And their award-winning team is available seven days a week. Call Care today at 1-800-COOLING or book an appointment online at careheatingandcooling.com. When you need a company, you can trust. Here you go. Here you go. Legacy. Today's Martin Luther King Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. But we're here, it's nothing personal, and our word of the day is legacy. What is the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr.? What is it that we should be talking about with our friends, with our family? What is the one takeaway? How do you put a man's life and boil it down to one takeaway? For MLK, it's almost impossible, but I'm going to do it for you. The one takeaway is nonviolent conversation. Nonviolence because we teach people that with violence, you don't achieve your objectives. With nonviolence, you have a better chance. And conversation is, no matter what happens with your family, with your friends today, of all days, today, you discuss Martin Luther King. You discuss what he did, what his legacy was, fighting inequality day after day, year after year, and it's not done yet. When you look back at his life and the life he led, that's what you want out of the people you spend time with. You wake up this morning, it's just a Monday, but it's the best Monday of the year. We finally have our Super Bowl matchup. What I love about it is that when you plan for a game, when you know the game is going to be in Miami, and you're in the front office of any team, you want to be in the Super Bowl. When you're the commissioner, you want the best matchup possible. We've been promoting NFL 100, the 100th season. You want a matchup with gravitas, which is why we thought Chiefs-Packers. That's got history from Super Bowl One. It would be terrific. It almost happened. But then something happened that's only happened one other time in history. We had a running back named Raheem Mostert who ran for the second most yards in history of a playoff game. You had Patrick Mahomes crush, crush it. So I want to talk about this matchup. I want to talk about what the NFL is thinking right now. They're in heaven. It's not my heaven, but it's a heaven. Patrick Mahomes, we talked about Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens quarterback, MVP of the league. Is he the face of football? Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, son of a major league pitcher named Patrick Mahomes. We called him Pat Mahomes. I had no idea that he had a son who would be potentially the greatest quarterback of all time. We had no idea that Pat Mahomes, this sort of okay reliever, would have a son who can make plays and do things with the football that you just don't see. Why are we talking about him instead of Lamar Jackson? Because in any league, it's a winner's league. That's how you become the face of a sport. And the NFL is going to ride Patrick Mahomes for the next two weeks in a way that is almost unprecedented. It's not about the Chiefs. It's not about, in any way, Miami. It's not about the Niners. This next two weeks is all about Patrick Mahomes. Why? Because when you're in marketing in the NFL and you see when you wake up on Monday morning that prices of entry 
to get into the Super Bowl could be a minimum of $5,000, even in the newly renovated Hard Rock Stadium, where the nosebleed seats, you still need tissues, where you could be talking about $5,000 a seat, when you've got sponsors who are dying, jumping over each other to get to Miami, to party here in Miami, on South Beach, downtown Miami, bleeding up to Fort Lauderdale and Delray, maybe even to Palm Beach. Nah, everyone's going to stay down in Miami. We know that. How great is this for the NFL? And you wonder why Super Bowls have to go to Minnesota. They should always be in places like Miami because this is where sponsors, owners, fans, this is the epicenter of perfect come the first weekend in February, which is exactly why I don't want to be in town. Can you imagine schlepping from one party to the next, trying to get in, pretending that you didn't have to pay, trying to drop your name as though it once meant something in a place a long time ago for a very short period? It's too humbling for me, and everyone's way too good looking. So my Super Bowl will be spent watching it on TV. How many other people will be watching the Super Bowl on TV? When you're rooting for markets, you're rooting for ratings, you're rooting for eyeballs, you're rooting for the what is the rate that we can charge advertisers. Isn't it amazing that the NFL has built a product, has built an event where it actually doesn't matter. The ad rates are set months and months in advance and sold out. It could have been the Mighty Ducks versus the Predators. Although those sound like two hockey teams, but I just meant two teams that actually you'd think are not Super Bowl contenders. It could have been the Redskins against the Dolphins. No, Dolphins aren't a good example because the game's in Miami. It could have been the Redskins against the Giants. Ah, it can't be two NFC East teams. You know what I'm saying. It simply doesn't matter. It is the one sport, the one event that every other sport is jealous of. They got it right from start to finish. Do I think that the commissioner was cheering for Kansas City? I do, because it's critical that you put a face on the game. When New England plays, as they did last year, it's very confusing who the face is. Is it Brady? Is it Belichick? Is it Kraft? Can you name the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs? Can you name the owner of the San Francisco 49ers? Now can you name the owner of the New England Patriots? I bet you can. Can you name the owner of the Green Bay Packers? I don't think you have enough paper to tell me the name of the owner. They're publicly held. The point being, it's ideal for a franchise to be in the Super Bowl where the story is squarely on the field. What about the Niners? Are they worried at all about Colin Kaepernick? Are they worried about somehow the narrative being about what happened off the field? Not one bit. Colin Kaepernick is yesterday's news. And I say that on Martin Luther King Day, and so I don't say that lightly. I'm not telling you that he shouldn't be a story. I'm telling you the facts, and it's nothing personal. He's just not a story. All of the reasons he kneeled, knelt, what's that word? Kneeled. I think it's kneeled. All the reasons are perfectly great to discuss and debate and legitimate. But the NFL wants no part of that. They want prop betting. They want people coming to Miami. They want people watching the game. 
They want to be able for the entire year to say that it's the highly, most highly rated sports event, if not show, in the entire calendar year. They want networks to be jumping all over each other for coverage. They want networks jumping all over each other to bid for the rights to show the Super Bowl. They want networks jumping all over each other to have ancillary programming. That's what Media Day is for. That's what Radio Row is for. All of the things that go on. That's why you get two weeks of buildup. Have you ever heard the term Super Bowl fatigue? Super Bowl fatigue is a term that came up when by the time two weeks passes, everyone's had enough of the Super Bowl and the game almost becomes an afterthought. One little nugget for all of you listening and watching. Thanks for watching on CBS Sports HQ and downloading and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple, please do rate and review. It matters. Five stars. Do you know that NFL purposefully wants you to have Super Bowl fatigue? They don't care whether the game ends in 55-10 or if it goes into overtime and ends on a last-second field goal or a walk-off, a walk-off touchdown. I don't use walk-off too often with the NFL, so it feels wrong, but that's what can happen in overtime. They want the fatigue because the fatigue means that the frenzied buildup of two weeks has been monetized. And that is a major part of this Super Bowl story that no one talks about. We talk about the teams. We talk about the wagering. This is when the NFL makes its money from TV partners, from sponsors, advertisers. It's all now. So we're going to have two weeks of Super Bowl. I'm not going to let you down. We're going to be talking Super Bowl almost every single day. It's a matchup that the NFL is fine with. For me, I'll talk Niners. I'll talk Chiefs. But we're going to talk about things that maybe you're not hearing on some other shows, some sort of off-the-beaten-path stories. So don't worry. The first story I have is going to be about Patrick Mahomes. And what I love about this story is I spent time watching the game, the play. If you didn't watch the game, go to YouTube and look at his 35-yard touchdown run. It may have been 36. He had a touchdown run where he should have been sacked, and then he should have stepped out of bounds because there were defenders in front of him. He ended up doing a ballet step down the sideline, and then he got hit very hard. He didn't slide. In football, if the quarterback slides, you can't hit him. He didn't slide. He got hit, and he kept going and fell forward for another two yards and ended up scoring a touchdown. That's when I realized that Patrick Mahomes was the real deal. It took me till that play. Obviously very highly touted. Obviously being looked at as one of the best young quarterbacks. Accomplished things that nobody's accomplished in his three seasons. He's 3-1 and one in the playoffs. Does not have an interception at all in the playoffs. Just a big game player. And it got me thinking about what would my audience at Nothing Personal want to hear about Patrick Mahomes? And then it hit me. Do you know where he was drafted? He was the 10th pick in the first round. Do you know what you never heard two or three years ago when he was drafted? Tanking for Patrick, the way we talked about tanking for Tua. The Kansas City Chiefs did not tank in order to be able to draft Patrick Mahomes. They did something that tanking teams never think about. They scouted. Ah, can you imagine putting the pressure on your scouts to actually make a pick and have that pick turn into a superstar? I always said to our baseball people, don't tell me about the best free agent in the market. Don't ask us to sign the Bryce Harpers and Manny Machados. Don't ask me 
to sign the Garrett Coles. I want you to find me a player who's going to be overlooked by other teams. We're going to sign him, and then he's going to outperform. And people will look back and say, I can't believe the deal you got for that player. I want a player where people look back and say, how did we pass? I want a player where people are going to lose their jobs. I want scouts to get fired because we drafted a player who ended up so good that other teams are firing their scouts because they missed this player. Let's look back at that draft. Patrick Mahomes goes 10th. Are there nine teams right now who have quarterbacks as good as Patrick? There aren't two teams that have quarterbacks as good as Patrick. I could argue there's not one team. It would be an incredible debate to say, is Lamar Jackson the best quarterback or is it Patrick Mahomes? How do you discover who that is? How do you go from a league where it's been all about Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning? Those are the quarterbacks from the AFC into the Super Bowl. It's been Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, stay with me, Coca, because I need the third, Tom Brady, I think maybe Joe Flacco had one. This is like in the last 17 years. And now Patrick Mahomes. Interesting, isn't it? On Martin Luther King Day, look who the best quarterbacks are in the National Football League. It's not Tom Brady anymore. Something else came up that uh, is always interesting for me to talk about. I speak to other executives in baseball and other sports And uh, other executives are very funny. They're like other players. They pretend that they don't pay attention to the playoffs when they're not in it or when they've already been eliminated. It's my favorite lie. I watched in 18 years, 18 World Series championships. I watched 18 pennant winners celebrate in the American League and in the National League. I watched 18 World Series champions get coronated. One of them... Three of them, one NL pennant and one World Series I was actually in the clubhouse for. All the others I was watching on TV. I watched every single champion because of one reason. I wanted to know how far away my team was from that celebration. Because Pat Riley said it best, there's winning and there's misery. I wanted to feel miserable. I wanted to be realistic on how quickly my misery could end. How far away am I from being competitive? So I'm watching the NFC and AFC championship games. I'm starting by watching Kansas City against the Titans, watching Ryan Tannehill, who basically got thrown out of Miami because he could not be effective. It makes you think, right, when you trade a player or release a player, and that player turns out to be a superstar. It happened with the running back. We called him out in the beginning of the show, Raheem Mostert cut by seven teams, all of a sudden, he's in the record book. Are executives watching this? And if they are, what are they thinking and saying? Well, here's how it works in the real world of executives. They're all paying attention. Some of them tell you they're on vacation. They don't want to watch. They don't care. They're lying to you. They are all watching, and they're all watching and doing one of two things. I used to watch and say, I'm miserable. I didn't win. I am realistic. I'm not as good as these teams. What do we need to do to get better? Other executives are in the delusional category. They watch to say, we're just as good as that team. 
we could have beaten that team. We should just as easily be in the NFC Championship as the 49ers and the Packers. That's the delusional side. So you've got the delusional side and the realistic, I'm miserable side. But those two sides encompass the entire league. And it happens in baseball too. Billy Bean of the Oakland A's is famous for saying, I don't even watch my own games. Remember that was in Moneyball when Brad Pitt would drive around during games? Give me a break. First, give me a break that Billy Bean looks like Brad Pitt. Second, give me a break that Billy Bean doesn't pay attention to what's going on with his team during games, playoff games, regular season games. None of it's true. We're all watching all the time. It is true that we're watching different things. We're watching for different reasons. As an NFL executive, I'm watching these four teams, and the NFL simply got it right. Those were the four best teams. It doesn't always work that way in every sport. No one can tell me. You could say the Packers were the worst 13-3 and team you've ever seen. You could say that they got manhandled. They couldn't stop the run. You can't complain that Jimmy G only went 6-for-8 for 77 yards. That's the perfect way to win a ring. You want to rush the ball in football. If you could rush it and never pass it, you would do it. So don't pay attention to that, Jimmy G. You did just fine. I say Jimmy G because I keep butchering his name. I think it's like Jimmy Garoppolo. But then I get told I'm saying it wrong. But I'm tired of people getting on and giving their take that he wasn't good enough. He's not good enough. That team, as it's put together, is good enough to be a Super Bowl champion. Then look on the other side. You look at Tannehill, you look at the Titans, you look at Henry, the running back. How come the Chiefs stood up and said, we held Henry to 69 yards? We did a better job than anybody's done. Actually, all you did is get the lead so they had to pass more and they couldn't rely on the run. When you have the lead in the NFL, you run. The point being, these are the four best teams with the four greatest weapons. So there was no way the NFL could go wrong. There's no way that the league, the Super Bowl, the teams, history will be made. Kansas City wins its first in 50 years, or San Francisco ties with the Pats and Steelers for six Super Bowls. Wait to see. You know, Tom Brady for me is, uh, I like Tom Brady. I'm fine with him. He's made good choices. He's a quarterback. He's played on the same team his whole career. From the outsider's view, you'd say that he's got everything. Money. Fame, a, a wife who's a supermodel, four perfect kids, you would say that he's got the perfect life. And then you realize very quickly that nobody has the perfect life. Everybody's got problems, everyone has ego, and everyone has, let's just say, normal issues during the course of their life. When you see celebrities, especially this time of year, the red carpet at all these parties, dressed so elegantly, we sometimes would tend to think that they live a life less ordinary than we do. Turns out their lives are just as ordinary as ours, and their needs are similar to ours. Why am I talking about this with Tom Brady? Because Tom Brady has an ego just like we do, and Tom Brady is feeding his ego right now. For the first time in his career, he gets to be a full, unrestricted free agent, he gets to shop his 43-year-old wares to any team he wants. He gets to go to Vegas to watch Conor McGregor in 40 seconds dispatch the Cowboy. I have no notes. I just recall that it was 40 seconds, and the name of the guy he beat was the Cowboy. And if I don't hear it in, co in my ear, it means I'm somewhat right. 
the whole story of the MMA UFC fight was that Tom Brady was speaking to Mark Davis. Who's Mark Davis? That's Al Davis's son, the owner of the Oakland Raiders. No, no. Stop. Stop. We're going to edit that. It's not the Oakland Raiders. It's just the Raiders. He was talking to Mark Davis, the owner. No, no. I want to edit that out, guys, because it's Tom Brady was speaking to Mark Davis, who's owning the Las Vegas Raiders. So the inter-Google went crazy. The Twitterverse exploded. Tom Brady and Las Vegas are a perfect fit. Tom Brady sold his home in Connecticut. Is he going to move to Florida? He's perfect in Miami. He's better than Fitzpatrick. It doesn't matter if you don't know who that is. No one does. He should go to L.A. He can take the Rams or the Chargers and make it happen. He can make Giselle happy by living on the beach instead of the Northeast. Guess what Tom Brady's going to do next year? He's going to do whatever he wants and play whatever team he wants because we're giving him the attention. If I'm the New England Patriots, I'm doing the following. The first meeting that happens, if I'm Robert Kraft, is with Bill Belichick. (coughs) Excuse me. Hey, Bill, what are we doing with Brady? Can we win with Brady next year? And Bill Belichick will grunt. Because Bill Belichick knows that he's got to tell the truth to Robert Kraft, and so he will. So the conversation is this. And they do it over the phone. They don't do it in person. The season ends. Until you lose, the Patriots thought they were winning the Super Bowl. So these meetings are not happening at all until after they lost. Kraft calls up Belly and says, hey, um, what do you want to do? What are your thoughts with Brady? Belichick tells him the truth. He's not one of the top 15 quarterbacks in football anymore. I can't answer for you, Robert, what he means to the value of your team I can't answer as to the relationship you have with him and his family personally. I can't answer how important it is for you to have Tom Brady retire a Patriot. I can't answer whether you will let him go anywhere or you will match his salary that he's offered. I can't tell you whether you want to placate his ego. What I will tell you, Robert, is this. Our best chance to win next year is not with Tom Brady. And as much as that hurts me to say, What a run we've had, Bob. That's Belichick talking to Robert Kraft. I bet he calls him Bob. What a run we've had. But the run is over. I will not be anything but realistic. I will never be delusional. So, Bob, get back to me when you decide all of the things off the field that matter. Because on the field, I just told you how it is. Bob Kraft hangs up. He then looks in the mirror and practices his phone call with Tom Brady. Tom, I'd like to see you. No, I don't want to do this by phone. No, Tom, I think we should talk. Sidebar. Why am I telling Bob Kraft he's got to see Tom Brady? You don't take a franchise player, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and you don't tell him over the phone that you're moving on. You don't tell him over the phone that he's not the greatest today. You do never, ever, with a superstar who's aging, do anything over the phone. But you got to call him or text him and say you want to meet him. And you say, Tom, I'm coming to you. You don't make Tom come to wherever you are, Bob, because this is not for strip malls. 
This is for a sit-down where you actually look face-to-face and you say to Tom the following. You put it on him to start. Tom, tell me what you're thinking. Be honest with me, Tom. And Tom will say the following. Bob, I can't imagine not wearing a Patriots jersey. I can't imagine not spending my entire career as a New England Patriot. But that said, I believe that I am worth more than what I know you're willing to pay. And I've taken a discount every year to keep this dynasty together. I don't even want to talk about the issues I have at home, but I think I need to wear a different uniform. Bob Kraft puts his hands together like he's praying. He looks up at whatever God he prays to, and he says, oh God, you just made everything easy. Tom just acknowledged that he is okay leaving. And that can be my announcement. We can announce it together that Tom has decided that he wanted to write a new chapter in his career. We are retiring his number. We are having a Tom Brady retrospective. We're dedicating part of the Patriots Stadium, Gillette Stadium, to Tom Brady. We're showing the rings and the championships. It's heaven. It's perfect. It's Hollywood. It's not going to happen that way, Bob. Tom's going to say, I would love to finish my career here. Bob, how could I be anything but a Patriot? Give me an offer that's fair and right because I can win a Super Bowl with this team. We can become the greatest franchise ever with seven rings. We'll be better than the Niners even if they win this year's Super Bowl. Better than the Steelers. We'll be the number one franchise because I'm Tom Brady. And an owner would absolutely believe it. An owner would get sucked in by that by that level of hubris, by that level of truth, except it's not truth. And Bob Kraft has to remove all emotion or he's going to end up with Tom Brady on the Patriots making way too much money on a team that has no chance to win. Is that a bad result for the Patriots, for the fans, for the league? I'm not going to opine on that right now. I think it doesn't matter where Tom Brady goes. Wherever he goes, it'll be a big story and there will not be a lot of wins. Because I'm realistic about his talent on the field. He is now a mediocre quarterback. And there's no way that Tom will let Robert off the hook. So Robert then has to look back at Tom and say, Tom, you've meant everything to me and my family in this franchise. You know very well that you're forever a patriot. My job is to make this team and put it in a position to win a Super Bowl every year. I've been nothing but honest with you from the beginning of our relationship, and I do not believe that you are the person, that you are the person who can get us another Super Bowl. Tom, to me, there's no emotion. It's just business. This is nothing personal. That's Bob. That's how the conversation's going to go. That's how it should go. Well, How could you talk about the Patriots and not talk about Aaron Hernandez? I spent three hours this weekend watching Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez. It's a new documentary on Netflix. And uh, I'm going to start at the end of the review and I'm going to circle back. The end of the review is that you have to watch it. You have to watch it with a tiny nugget, just a little nugget in your brain that this is a bit Hollywood. You have to watch it with a nugget that says that his own lawyer his own fiance, his own family, Aaron Hernandez I'm talking, does not actually subscribe to any of the issues brought up in this documentary. 
know that, but then realize that this is not fiction. This is an actual story of his life. But the documentarians made a huge mistake. They brought into the documentary a homosexual former player to talk about what it is to be in the closet as a homosexual in the NBA as a way to show that maybe Aaron Hernandez was in the closet as a homosexual and that could have contributed to the killer inside the mind, colon. Then they bring up another player who retired after one year at the age of 24 because he was so concussed he couldn't pronounce his own middle name. He didn't play with Aaron Hernandez. He didn't know Aaron Hernandez. But he's in the documentary talking about his story of concussions. And they use that as a way to show that Aaron Hernandez had a lot of concussions, major CTE. They bring in a doctor to say that it was a major part of his life. They donated his brain and his brain was mush. The whole documentary is about trying to get inside the mind of Aaron Hernandez, and they do it using supporting actors. Because he's dead. We can't hear from Aaron Hernandez except through clippings. We can't know exactly what he was thinking that day. Five days after being acquitted of a double murder when he hung himself in jail, in his own cell, where he would be spending the rest of his life. They use conversations between Aaron and his mother. It's heartbreaking. Between Aaron and his daughter, Aaron and his fiancee. They interview someone who has purportedly had an affair with Aaron, a male, as a way to again bolster their argument that he may have been a homosexual. What interests me about the documentary is the actual jailhouse tapes, the actual story of the crimes he committed the actual story of the violent person that Aaron Hernandez was. The story of the tragedy of a person who could have had it all. He was a superstar in the football field. He's never talked about anymore. It's not like there's a plaque for him in Gillette Stadium. Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, had to testify in one of the hearings, in one of the murder trials, Can you imagine an owner having to do that? Watch the documentary. You won't regret it. Well, we're going to do some baseball now. I, uh, you know, we stand here on nothing personal and um, we, we, we play roles, right? We tell you what's happening. This is the show where we decode for you what's real and what's not. We take you inside the clubhouse because over my 18 years in baseball, I've seen a lot. I've done a lot. And uh, this sign-stealing scandal is just another example where I've got real-world experience. But the fallout from it is what's interesting to me at this moment until we get the Red Sox punishment, which is going to be forthcoming. The Houston Astros, could they have had a worse couple weeks, I ask you, ever? No. Here's why. They build themselves up as this perfect organization. Holier than thou, smarter than we are. They know more about everything. They're more analytical. They have better players. They know how to draft better. Well, I compared my drafts to the Astros drafts. Not so much different. But the Astros have this narrative that they do best. Then how is it that they could have had such a screw-up that they had this past weekend? 
with all that's going on, with all the media attention, the Astros held their version of FanFest as scheduled this past weekend. I love that decision. It's the right decision. The show must go on. Always. That's the number one principle. Do you know what will happen if I stop doing nothing personal tomorrow? You'll listen to something else with your 45 minutes. I recognize that. You may miss me for like a day. And I'm actually just speaking to the relatives who are listening. The rest of you will move on to another show, and you'll long for the days when there was this voice of reason and truth. But the show always goes on. So FanFest goes on. The players meet the media in a scrum. A scrum is when the, a press conference, we've talked about on the show, a press conference is when you sit at a table, and you've got, it's called a dais, D-A-I-S, the front of a table, the, the head of a table, and there's three people, two people, or even one person. When there's one person, you tend to do a lectern. When there's more than one person, you tend to have a table. A scrum is when you see on TV or on CBS Sports HQ or anywhere you watch, whatever you watch, and there's a player standing and he's surrounded by microphones that are being held to his face. Sometimes they're little recorders. Sometimes they're phones now that record. But it's a player surrounded or an executive surrounded by cameras and microphones. The Astros hold FanFest. They make the players available to the media, but they do it in scrum form as opposed to in a controlled setting like a press conference room. So Jose Altuve is surrounded. Jose Altuve, the guy who's 5'5", my size, I look eye to eye with Jose Altuve, the guy who internet went crazy because he Twitter, he was wearing buzzers, he didn't want his jersey ripped off. If you haven't heard of Buzzergate, then get your head out of the sand. I don't care if you're not into sports. You've heard of Buzzergate. Jose Altuve takes the microphone and he says to the scrum, zero contrition, zero I'm sorry's. He is combative. He becomes a predictor. We're going to win the World Series. We're going to be in the World Series. We did nothing wrong. At the end of the year, everything's going to be fine. Zero contrition. It was a disgrace. That player is on my team. Here's how it goes. He is prepared with every single answer to every single question. We make him available to the media pre-spring training, pre-FanFest, because I want FanFest to be about ticket buying, about the players and the action on the field, about buying jerseys. I don't want FanFest players talking about the scandal, sign stealing, the managerial search. No, I want them talking about the fact that they fell short and they lost Garrett Cole and they're going to be just fine. That only has credibility if you've addressed the sign-stealing scandal prior. How could the Astros have missed the opportunity to put their players? Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman looked like such a head. Oh, God, I did it again. He looked, all right, for cutting purposes, this is minute 35. Alex Bregman looked like such a bleephead that he is meeting the media, and he comes off so cocksure. That's not bleepworthy. Relax out there. And he says, you know what? 
I have nothing to say. He said it 20 different times with a smirk. He said, it's all in the commissioner's report. I, there's nothing I need to talk about. He kept saying, I have no further comment. But that's not good enough. We saw that with the Red Sox press conference when they fired Alex Cora. They kept saying, please, reserve judgment. Please, we can't discuss this. You've got to give them talking points. Here's Alex Bregman's talking points. I am very aware of the commissioner's report. And I'm aware that beyond a shadow of a doubt, Carlos Beltran has come forward. Alex Cora has come forward and acknowledged that we use technology to steal signs. I'm not going to be a whistleblower, and I'm not going to say that other teams have done it. I'm going to look at you right now and say that we did it. Did it help us win more games? I'm not willing to say that. I'm an MVP candidate because of the work I put in, the work I do every day to get better at baseball. Are there other teams who know what's coming when a pitcher throws a pitch? Of course there are, and you all know it. But I'm telling you that our 2017 World Series was not just legitimate, but earned. Just like last year when we couldn't repeat, or in 18 when the Red Sox beat us. Last year when the Nationals beat us. All legitimate. Everything's legitimate. But I'm not going to tell you I have no comment. I'm not going to tell you to read the report. I'm going to own it. I'm Jose Altuve. I'm sticking to my line, which is I have never used a buzzer. But yes, I knew pitches that were coming. Does that make me the MVP? You stand up in the batter's box and you try hitting when you know what's coming. You think that we're the only team who had any idea of what was going on with signs or any other team that's using technology? Did we not pay attention to a memo from the commissioner in 2017 I'm going to leave that for other people because I'm a player. My job as a player is to take the information given to me and execute on that information. And I can't wait for this coming season. That's what they needed to have said. Then when FanFest comes, they can talk about what they're doing on the field. There'll still be questions, but they will have answered them. It made me so angry that they would do that. The question is, who will be their manager? Well, if you believe a video that I saw today, then it could be Dusty Baker. Let me tell you how great it would be for Dusty Baker to become a manager of either the Red Sox or the Astros or the Mets. It would be great for the Yankees. I'm very sorry, Dusty. I've had many opportunities to meet you. I've had many opportunities to make sure that our clubby at Marlins Park and at Pro Players Stadium arranged your toothpicks exactly as you wanted them in a line on your desk. I know exactly how you needed everything done. I have great respect for it. You're an accomplished manager. It hurts me to say this on Martin Luther King Day. This is not about race. This is not about minority hiring. This is about the fact that I have a World Series ring because of you. I went to the World Series with a team because you don't know how to handle a pitching staff. I won a series in Chicago because Mark Pryor could not finish a game because you had pitched him so much in a previous game in that series when you had won the game and you kept him in for over 100 pitches for no reason, just like you did all season long. I have a ring because in that clubhouse, we discussed the fact that what you do to pitching staffs, just hang in there, hang in there, raise the pitch count because he's never going to replace the pitcher. But when you raise it, they're going to get tired. You're going to, we're going to get them. 
down 3-1 to the Cubs, no problem. We're going to win that series. And we did. Does this mean you're not an accomplished manager, not an accomplished player? No. What it means is that if you are going to go to a team like the Mets, who their pitching staff is everything, come on. You're going to go to a team like the Astros. You're only being interviewed because you're the anti-hinch, right? You're coming in. You want control. You want to stand on your laurels. But if I'm Jim Crane, what do I do? Do I believe the fact that you could hurt the pitching staff? Do I believe the fact that you may not be the right manager to get us where we need to get? Or do I say I need credibility here? I can't just promote Joey Espada to be the manager for the first time. I can't just bring him in. He was on the bench when it's possible we were still using technology to steal signs. Dusty Baker, John Gibbons, Buck Showalter. They'd be perfect in that regard because they have no privity. They're not even close to the scandal. But Dusty Baker then flies to Houston, and the first thing he does is give an interview about what an honor it would be that he looks at that roster and says, I believe that I'm the perfect person to lead this team, and it would be my privilege and my honor. Dusty Baker would say the same thing about the Miami Marlins or any team. He wants to manage again. He wants an opportunity. Will he possibly get one of these last three spots? No. And I'll put my money where my mouth is later in the show, like in two minutes. But first, I got to do the pick because that's the order of this. And I am doing the pick now. So the pick of the day, you saw what happened this weekend. We were right there. We had the Chiefs and we won. All we needed were the Packers to cover. It wasn't even close. 27 nothing. It was despondent central for me. I thought maybe a backdoor cover, a little late fourth quarter magic, sort of those things like a bad beat for everyone who bet the Niners. Chance of going 2-0. and We settled at 1-1. and But we get to go back to the NBA tonight. And in the NBA... I'm going to talk softly because I don't want people in the studio to hear me. My pick is the Celtics over the Lakers. I'm still getting booed. Well, now I can talk regular. Yeah, the Lakers are giving two and a half in Boston. That is ridiculous. They're the best road team in the NBA, I've heard. It's the first game back for AD. Heard that. Anthony Davis missed more than two games with his bruised tuchus. I lost that weight to see. Yes, I did. But when I can get points at home, when I'm the Celtics who need a win, the Lakers coming off the huge win in Houston, the Celtics playing the worst they've played all season, falling down the Eastern Conference standings, looking up at the Miami Heat. This is a trap. The Lakers are going to crush them. Nah, that's the trap. We're taking the Celtics. We're taking the two and a half. And you can bet we're watching that game. So we end with wait to see. And here's how we end it. Uh, Wait to see is a segment we do. And thank you. By the way, when you rate and subscribe, the five stars on Apple, we've gotten a lot of questions on your reviews. Leave a review. Write a review with a question. Make it a general question that will last. And at the end of every month, I'm going to do a bonus podcast. And the bonus will be answering all the questions that you have. It's different from So You Want to Talk to Samson, which is when you DM me at David P. Samson, and we cover that in a show. This is when you actually talk to me about not a specific subject, but sort of general questions. We've gotten some amazing ones. Our first bonus podcast, which I expect to come at the end of this month, is already filled with all that you've done for reviews. But if you send me something better, I may usurp what already exists. But go ahead. Follow me at David P. Sampson. Rate on Apple. 
review and put a question in. And we do wait to see's always. Wait to see is sort of a, a thing I came up with. It's a three-word phrase because in this business that I'm now in, uh, where's the accountability? I never understood that people in the media could just say anything they wanted, and every time they're wrong, they just ignore it and move on. Well, that's not who I am. When I'm wrong, I own it. When I'm right, I wear it. So I either wear it, own it, but you're going to hear about it. So I told you that Anthony Davis was going to only miss two games, and I was wrong. I told you the Houston Astros would not lose any games in their over-under total from Vegas for their season wins total just because A.J. Hinch got fired. Garrett Cole going to the Yankees, that'll cost him. Guess what? I was wrong. Can you explain to me why the Astros were going to win 97 games with Hinch and now they're going to win 95 without him? Does it go back to 96 and a quarter when they hire Baker or Joey Espada? If wins are worth seven to eight million dollars per win, that's what the analytic people say. If wins are worth that much, does that mean AJ Hinch is worth up to 16 million dollars per year? Give me a break. But I got it wrong. This one I won't get wrong. Dusty Baker, you're not getting hired by any of the teams with openings. Reason I say that, you don't fit. You don't fit with these teams. And they're in such a rush that I don't think that your interview with Houston, you haven't even been contacted by the Mets and Red Sox. To me, it's an easy way to see. And when you watch this podcast and listen to it, You'll always remember one thing, Dusty. I'll look at you and say, this is just business, Dusty. It was nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.